Uh, Let me invite you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 11 with me. We're at, together this morning now, uh, what you might uh, might describe as the high point in the book. The high point meaning uh, chapter 11 and 12 uh, reveals and records the people at their best. And it's been, getting, it's been getting good, but this is them at their best in 11, 12. We saw them begin to read scripture and then respond to it and to confess their sin and to worship and in response to God's mercy in their life, commit themselves, devote themselves to obedience and dependence and forgiveness and to marriage and to honor God in marriage and to generosity and giving so that temple worship could take place. So it's really good and yet it gets better this week. And it's in that, if you will, this next step that I think is instructive for us at Christian Family Chapel What would it mean for us to be all that God intends us to be? It would include, as we just said, devotion to obedience, honoring God in our marriage, forgiveness, independence, and generosity. Those are all true, but we're going to see two more steps in chapter 11 and 12 that are super important for us being all that God intends us to be. So join me, verse 2 Uh, Verse 1 and 2 in chapter 11, we'll see the first principle. Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, but the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine-tenths remained in the other cities. And the people blessed all the men who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. All right, let's stop there, because that may change some of your understanding of what's going on thus far. You may have thought, well, all the people of God are in Jerusalem, but clearly they're not. Most of the people are not in Jerusalem. In fact, the only people in Jerusalem are the leaders and Levites, priests, but not all of them. And now a tenth of the people... Plus the who live in Jerusalem. You may think, what? Most people lived outside. Yes, most lived out, but some lived in. And how did they choose those who lived in Jerusalem? Some by their assignment, some by, what did it say in verse one? Casting lots. You may think, seriously? They like drew straws who was going to live there? Kind of, yes. It was how they determined the will of the Lord. They needed more people to live there, so they cast lots to determine. Would you live there? Well, I don't really want to live there, and people wouldn't necessarily really want to live there because if you lived in Jerusalem, you were basically giving up the greatest commodity of that time, which was land. And giving up land, then you were probably giving up the opportunity to live with the rest of your family on land. And you were placing yourself where if an attacking army was going to come, they're not going to mess with the little villages. They're going to come attack the, the central city. So you were putting yourself at risk to do what one tenth of the people did. So to discern the will of the Lord, they cast lots and... Then a tenth lived in. This is interesting. And the people blessed all the men who volunteered. Didn't sound like any volunteer, did it? So honestly, I read a lot about this because I was like, all right, seems like they cast lots and then somehow they got congratulated for volunteering, but they didn't volunteer. Uh, To unravel. And and we don't know. We know what verse one says. We know what verse two says. How it fits together. Basically, two options. One, those who drew a lot to live in there did so joyfully as a reflection. Well, this was the will of the Lord. And so they did it as if they had volunteered. That seems like a stretch, but that could be. It seems like there were some who did not cast lots, some who literally said, I'll do it. 
I'll do what most people don't want to do. I'll volunteer. And they did get a, (laughs) wow. Because when somebody says to me, Doug, I am so glad you are doing this. You know what I generally hear? I'm glad I'm not doing it. That's exactly what. When people say, I'm so glad, they're going, I'm glad I'm not doing that. They're not really glad I'm doing it. They're glad they're not doing it. So I think they blessed them because there were many who said, all right, we'll take that as the will of the Lord. And others who said, no, we're going to do what needs to be done for the people to function well. What's the principle here? What's it say about where you live? Ever thought about where you live as it relates to not where you'd like to live or financially where you can afford to live or proximity of where you'd like to live? But have you ever asked yourself, does it matter where I live in relation to the purposes of God. And folks, I think this is the next step. Last week was good to see all that they committed to do in marriage and forgiveness and dependence. But there is a a next step for us that I want us to take from these first two verses, which simply says where you live, and I'm going to add and work because the principle is the same. Where you live and work is important to the kingdom of God. That is a core principle in functioning as the people of God. You understand? If we're going to function as God intends us to function, it's not just, and these aren't small things, but it's not just honor God in your marriage. It's not just be generous. It's not just live in dependence and be ready to forgive as you've been forgiven. It's this idea that where you live is important to what God is doing. And where you work is important to what God is doing. And I recognize you may think, well, I didn't consider that at all in terms of where I live. It was simply a financial decision or it was simply a preference decision or it's nowhere close to where I really want to live. It's the only place I can live. Would it still be true in any of those scenarios that where you live is important to the purposes of God? Yeah, because he's bigger than my preferences. In other words, when I choose according to my preferences versus his purposes, he's, he, the Lord doesn't look and go, oh, God, what am I going to do with that now? He's bigger than that. So don't get lost in why you live where you live in terms of the decisions that got you there. Know this. It's important to the kingdom of God. Equally for your work, whether you like where you work or don't like where you work. Where you work is important to the purposes of God. And when we miss that, then we're missing what God has for his people. Why does it matter so much? Very simply, you're the light of the world. Meaning, without you, there's just darkness. Without you at work or other believers with you at work, it's just darkness. Without you on your street or other believers on your street, it's just darkness. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Your life was not meant to be hidden. It was meant to be seen where you live and where you work. Nor does anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket. No one does that with, you you lit a lamp for light. Are you catching this now? When you were redeemed by the mercy of God and he poured his spirit into your heart and into my heart, he made us light. He turned this darkness into light. And he said, I'm going to put you uh, right now, Cypress Landing, to be light. Used to be light in Micanopy. Before that, it was light in Rainbow Lake. Be light. Doug, don't, don't be a person who's made light and then cover it up. 
I said, well, Elijah light. Elijah light to give light. But on the lampstand, see? Not covered up, on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Your light in your home, light on your street, light on your community, light when you go to work, light when you go to school, light when you go to the gym. Where you live, where you work is important. And it's just, it's just so easy to separate those things. No, it's what I do at the church that matters. It's how I volunteer that matters. If I worked at the church, then my job would matter. Or if, if I moved to India, then that would matter. But does it really matter where you live in Mandarin? Sure does. Because if you don't live in Mandarin as light, there is darkness. That, that gives incredible purpose to going home. More than just to hide. To, to go home. To engage. To go to work for more than just a paycheck. Because I am light. We are light. This is why he says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Got that? Isn't that cool? Because so, your light, what's that light look like? It looks like good works. And the good works have a purpose. That there would be, Lord willing, people on your street, my street, people at your work who've seen the life that you live because of the light of Jesus in you that would turn from not glorifying God to glorifying God. Where you live matters. Where you work matters. Good works we define simply with this, bless. This is so helpful to me. This is why I love bless. What do I mean, good works? Well, I mean, begin with prayer. And then the good work of listening. Because <laughs> everybody's got something to say. <laughs> Often, no listening. The good work of listening. The good work of hospitality. Of eating together. The good work of serving. Seeing a need and meeting a need. Where you live, where you work, outside of your job description. And then, as the Lord gives you opportunity, sharing your story, God's story. Sometimes we just think, oh, it's just, just the sharing. No, begin with prayer. Listen, eat, build relationship, serve, show that you care, not just a project. But then the gospel is words, and so there's a sharing. CFC. I hope you're capturing this morning. Nehemiah 11 and 12 is about people realizing where we live is important to us being the people of God. And that's true for us today. Where we live. And therefore, and we live at work a lot of our day. So that's why I include work. Where we live and work really does matter to the kingdom of God. It, it, Matters when Jesus says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. When you're born again, the Spirit of God comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. Again, that's the, the sharing both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. The gospel was to go out from where they were first, what? Living. The gospel started where they were living. And how was it going to go out from there? As people, like Nehemiah 11, volunteered or believed the Lord by that system, casting lots, believed the Lord's finger was upon them, hey, would you go live elsewhere for the sake of the purposes of God? Not for your personal purposes, not for your preferences, but would you go live elsewhere? Would you say, I'll do that so that the gospel gets to Samaria? 
I'll do that so the gospel gets to the ends of the earth. You, you capture what's happening here? This is our commended missionaries are simply folks who, like Nehemiah 11, 2, said, I'll go for the sake of the Spirit of God living in me, being light to a dark part of Africa, to a dark part of Europe, to a dark part of Asia, and live there as light to bless, to begin with prayer, to begin to listen, to eat, to serve, and to share. See, it's here, it's there, it's how the gospel goes forward. Where we live matters. I didn't always think that. Just thought it was, well, where can I afford to live? Where we live matters to the purposes of God. One final point here. Listen to the way Jesus prayed for his disciples before he goes to heaven. Jesus to the Father, I do not ask you to take them out of the world. He literally says, don't take them out. I'm leaving, but don't take them because if you take them, what will he be taking? Light. Don't take them because if you take them, they'll be taken out. But keep them from the evil one. So keep them there, but keep them from the evil one. Why? You see the combo? Why keep them from the evil one? Because he wants to dim the light of the gospel in you to deceive you, distract you, destroy you. See, he can't actually remove you, uh, but he, he can do to your life what happens to your headlights over time on your car. You know how they started clear and then they got all that cloudy junk on them. Like, hey, what happened here? That's what can happen. It's your life and my life. So Jesus says, don't take them out because we need light. We need light in communities. We need light in apartments. We need light in condos. We need light in Jacksonville. We need light in Arlington. We need light in St. John's County. And we need light in India. You see it? Venezuela. We need light. So where we live matters. But live in a manner so that you shine. Because the evil one wants to dim your light. All right, I hope you, I hope you have been encouraged from the Lord this morning to go home with new purpose. And not just today, but each day to go home and to go to work with new purpose. Second principle that we see in these two chapters, not only where you live and work is important to the kingdom of God, how you serve How you serve is important to the kingdom of God. And what we're going to do is we're going to run through these chapters, two chapters real quickly. I'm going to point some verses to you. And in these verses, we're going to see some unique ways that people serve. So let's start in chapter 11. Go next verse, verse 3. We see people who are heads of the provinces. We see people who are priests. People who are Levites and people who are temple servants, all different roles. Drop down to verse 9. In chapter 9, excuse me, chapter 11, verse 9, we see there's an overseer, a second in command of the city. In verse 11, we see there is a leader of the house of God. Next verse, verse 12, we see kinsmen who perform the work of the temple. And in verse 14, we see that there are completely different valiant warriors. Verse 16, those who are in charge of the outside work of the house of God. What you might think of as the maintenance team. Verse 19, gatekeepers. Those are the guys who are carrying the security team. Verse 22, overseer of the Levites in Jerusalem and singers for the service of the house of God. That's easy for us to relate to. Verse 24, there is the king's representative. 
cush job there, right? Probably. Verse 35, craftsmen. Chapter 12, verse 8, those in charge of the songs of thanksgiving. See, there's singers and those in charge of the songs. And verse 26, there's a governor and a scribe. Now, I went through those really fast, and you may think, I couldn't write all those down. You didn't need to write all those down. Because they're all written in your Bible. What I wanted you to see without trying to get lost, because Nehemiah loves him some names. As we get so lost in the names, we miss the point. These names that we have no idea who they are, these names represent people who what they did, and it was a wide variety of things, what they did mattered. Just like where they lived mattered. What they did mattered to the kingdom of God. It's one people, but many roles. It's, it's reflective of, and maybe you can keep your finger in Nehemiah 11, but uh, it's reflective of, if you go to the New Testament, the image that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians 12. There's an image here, 1 Corinthians 12, that's very visual and I think helpful to see how, how each of us serves is important if we're going to function as God intends the people of God to function. The image in 1 Corinthians 12 is one of a physical body. And he's going to take a physical body to teach a core principle about us as a spiritual body. 1 Corinthians 12, begin in verse 14. Here's the image. For the body is not one member, but many. You know what a member, meaning like a member of the body would be like an arm. The body is not one member, but many. He illustrates next verse. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body. Well, that's silly. He's gone. It is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, which is a wild thought. I mean, imagine if all you were was an eyeball. And if literally right now, all I was looking at was eyeballs. And all you were looking at was an eyeball. Yeah, there would be no lips to read. You're like, what are we doing here? And how do we get here? And how are we going to leave? It's crazy. You see, it's a silly thing if you actually play it out. But that's the point. If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God, now here's the principle. It's a great visual physically. Here's the principle spiritually. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. That's true physically and it's true spiritually. If they were all one member, where would the body be? Verse 20. But now there are many members but one body. This is simply the New Testament describing what we see happening in Nehemiah 11 and 12. One people but lots of members doing different things. They didn't all, they weren't all the governor. Because that'd be terrible. But one of them needed to be the governor. And then, then they needed what? Craftsmen and gatekeepers and singers and people in charge of the singers because they'd sing all the time if you didn't put somebody in charge of them. You didn't think that was funny. I thought that was funny. <laughs> one, one people, one body, many members. So, uh, is that true at CFC? I'm going to take a risk here and, and try something. It might blow up. It didn't Thursday, thankfully. I'm going to ask eight people 
who serve in this body. I haven't selected in advance, so there's no plants here. Eight people who serve in this body to just come up here, and I'm going to ask you a few questions. So, uh, I know some of you serve. Just give me eight people who stand up and come on up here. All right, we got a, we have a winner. All right. Okay, one. Thank you. Two. All right, three. Four, come on up. Come on up. I'm pointing at you. There you go. <laughs> five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Come on up here. I think we need two more. Two more. Don't be bashful. They won't be hard questions. This is not the newlywed game. Come on up here. All right. Just line across. Uh, you got to be on the center carpet here if you want to be seen. All right. All right, come on up here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We can do nine. Way to go. Oh, dear, you can come on up here. We got uh, many members. All right, so here's all I want you to do. Uh, I want you to, uh, and this will, in case you need it, uh, I want you to tell us your name, where you live, and tell you got to come on in over here because you're off the camera there, big guy. There we go. Do you have me on it? Yes. Well, we'll know in a moment. Uh, <laughs> Your name, where you live, and uh, what's your like day job? What do you get paid to do, or not paid, or not? what's your day job? And then how do you serve at CFC? All right, so you got it. Name, where you live, that matters. What's your day job, and then where you serve? No speeches, just those four. Go ahead. No, you can hold up. There we go. Pauline, live in Mandarin, work at Lowe's, and I serve on the uh, parking team. All right. I'm Matt. I live in St. John's County. I'm an engineer, and I serve in the children's ministry. I'm Harry. I live in St. John's County as well. Um, serve as a kids' ministry and one of the greeters here. All right. What do you do day job? Daytime is uh, uh, environmental health and safety manager. All right. Jeff Miles. I am a uh, quality control uh, inspector at uh, Blunt Island and... Um, that's my day job, and um, what was it? Uh, where do you live? Oh, yeah. I live in uh, Arlington. All right, and where do you serve here? Oh, I am an usher. All right. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ron Spies. I live in Bartram. I uh, work at Advance Auto, and I uh, serve as a parking attendant. All right, two parkers up here. Hi, I'm Jim. I live in Orange Park. I'm an insurance agent for Florida Blue, and I serve in the Be Transformed ministry and at the side table. My name is Nicole Spencer. I live in uh, Southside Bartram. I work for Chase as a mortgage operations manager, and I do first grade Sunday school. All right. Uh, my name is Sandy. I'm loud. I, <laughs> I live in Mandarin. I own a cleaning business, and I am a homeschool mom. And I serve in the preschool. All right, and step this way. There we go. Otherwise, you'll be the unseen voice. Unseen voice. I'm Leela Belair. I am an internal city auditor for my job. I live in uh, Mandarin, and I do Truth Quest on Wednesday nights with fourth graders. All right. All right, so, yes. <clears throat> Thanks. Very cool. Thursday night, we didn't have any Parkers, because we don't need Parkers on Thursday night. Uh, but we had a couple who worked in children's ministry. We had somebody who worked in TESOL. We had somebody who worked on the missions team. And we had somebody who cooked food for the high school students. Yes, I was like, wow, that's so cool. So we get a wide range here as well. Here's what, and I'm not going to pass it around unless you want to answer this question. Tell me, uh, tell us why you love serving where you serve, right? So if you love where you're serving, why do you love where you serve? Anyone want to take that one? All right. I love people. I, I love people and I love control with the wand. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? She said she loves control. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love uh, waving at the little kids in the back seat of the cars. All right, all right. I love serving people on this side, and I look forward to helping those that, uh, with addiction needs to get over those. Yeah. All right. 
I would just say I have a first grade daughter, so I love to watch her worship, and it's a great way to connect with her and kind of understand where she's at right now. Awesome. Great. I'm learning a lot at TruthQuest, but also I just really love the girls. They're really, really fun and dodgeball. I'm horrible at it. <laughs> um, I, my daughter was in the preschool ministry when I came to Christ, so I guess it means uh, something special to me to serve oh. there and maybe bring other families in as well. All right. One last question. Anybody want to share why you started serving where? I think we heard a little bit of those. But why did you start serving where you serve? Anybody want to jump at that one? You've already answered that, Rick. <laughs> we have kids. We have kids and there was a need. And just jumped in and continued ever since. Okay. Uh, for me, I wanted to ensure that I set an example in my household. So ah. being the, uh, the man of the house and, ah. and be the, the example of what God is in our family. I'll be honest. Uh, Doug said I should do something and parking looked the easiest. <laughs> All right, that's good enough. No more of that. All right. <laughs> Give them a hand. That's really, really good. Thanks. <laughs> Get off the stage, man. <laughs> hey, that's, he spoke for like 50% of the people in the room right there. Really, really good. Um, <laughs> I hope that encouraged you just to see you know, there are things that never change. And one of the things that never changes, regardless of where we live in the world, if we're a church, there's one body, but many members. And a church is at its best. This is why I'm saying this is high point in Nehemiah 11 to 12. A church is at its best when every member is doing their role. And so... And it does. I really, I think that is funny. But that's, that's where a lot of folks start, okay? I, either I see a need. I'm not sure I have any zeal or passion for that. Sometimes there's like, man, I want to do this because this was done for me. Sometimes it's just, if I don't do it. Who is going to do it? I'll just step in and help. And sometimes it's just like, I know I'm supposed to, so what's the easiest thing? <laughs> but then you go from that to finding real joy in it. When you, when you think member, I'm not talking about member of the local church like we've talked about going through a membership class. That is important. But what, what the scripture is talking about here is member as you are a part of the body of Christ through faith in Jesus. If you are a part of the body of Christ through faith in Jesus, God has designed you, gifted you, made you, not only in Christ, but to be some unique member in that body. And you're going to be different. And because you're different doesn't make you any less a part of the body. Guy grabbed me after Thursday service and said, I don't know what to do with this, but God has made me really good with my hands specifically in small engine repair, but I'm just really good with my hands. Don't know how that would be helpful, but if it could be, I'm available. People good with their hands, helpful. People not good with their hands, helpful in different ways. You get it? So if we're in a function well, where I live matters. Where I work matters. And how I serve matters. One of the, and I'm going to go Ron on you here. <laughs> One of the things that some of you need to do is do something. You just got to start. And so that QR code that you've heard like four times already this morning, it's just a simple way to take you to a little one page that has one of the buttons on that page, join a serving team, and it'll give you a bunch of different options. One of them might go, oh, that's awesome. And they might all go, eh, I, I don't know. So pick the easiest and start there. <laughs> but we're not going to be all that God intended us to be. 
until every member that God has placed in the body is being a part of the body. It matters how we serve. I love, did anybody in here know everybody up here on the stage? I didn't think that would be true. Look around. Nobody, nobody here knew everybody up on the stage. That actually is not a bad thing. That's an important reality. Let me show you what I mean. In chapter 11, verse 7, there's a list of names. Quickly, you can look there and go, I don't know anything about any of those people other than that they were the son of somebody who I don't know. You could do the same thing in verse 15. More names that you have no idea who they were. And you could go to verse 25 and maybe go, oh, there's a name, Obadiah. Because Obadiah wrote one of like the shortest book in the Old Testament, except that Obadiah was like 400 years before this Obadiah. So that's not, it was just we recognize the name. My point is very simple. Most of us are nobodies to most people. But somebodies to some people. That's vital to understand. Nobody is a somebody to everyone. Nobody. Nobody's a somebody to everyone. But everybody is a somebody to someone. Now, I'm not just trying to be cute there. This, this gets real. Because it's so easy to think, it doesn't matter what I do, I'm just a nobody. <laughs> no, everybody is a somebody to someone. You're not a somebody to everybody. But so... That's true for everyone. Nobody is a somebody to everyone, but everybody is a somebody to someone. This is why uh, a little tucked away, easy to ignore verse in the New Testament, Colossians 4.17, one of my favorite verses. Say to Archippus, who is a nobody to most people. He's not Paul, he's not Peter, he's not Timothy, he's not even like Titus or Philemon. Archippus. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Archippus was a nobody to most people but he was a somebody to some people. Why? Because he had a ministry from the Lord that if he did not fulfill, that was not going to happen in those people's lives. Whether it was host people at his house if he didn't fulfill that, if he went, ah, clean the house every week for people to come over, I'm out. If he didn't fulfill that ministry, those people missed the welcome of strangers and the beauty of community. If it was a ministry of teaching, but he went, teaching, that would take preparation, and I got no time to prepare. And he didn't fulfill that ministry. There would be those who God intended to be taught the scriptures that weren't taught because he didn't fulfill it. You see? So nobody to most people, but an important somebody to some. And that's us. I like Archippus because most of us are Archippuses. Nobody's, but somebody's to someone. In your ministry, you have received it. If you're in the Lord, you have a ministry from the Lord. 
fulfill it. To do that, to be Archippus, we're going to have to discover. We call them gifts because in the New Testament, it's called, they're called gifts from the Lord. It's translated very easy. What has God made you good at? What has God made you good at? Good with kids? Good with music? Good with leading? Good with organizing? Good with helping? Good with welcome? Great with strangers? Really, like, good at leading a small group? What's God made you good at? Discover your gift from the Lord and then use those gifts to serve others. And these two, I almost hate to put them linear like this, one before the other, because one of the most important ways we discover what we're good at, what God has gifted is us, is when we, when we serve. When we serve others, then we go, oh, now I know. Sometimes you don't know. You, you might not know if you're good with kids if you always avoid them. <laughs> or you might not know if you're good with welcoming strangers until you welcome some strangers. Hospitality, fantastic gift. You don't know until you see a stranger and go, if I was a stranger, I'd want to be welcomed in. I think I'll welcome. Oh, guys may be good at this. Or they're uncomfortable, you're uncomfortable, and you go, okay, where are the children? Because I'm not good at this. <laughs> it's all right. Some of the most important things that we discover is what we're not good at. And the goal, I don't think the goal is for us to become good at everything. That'd be like us all saying, let's all be ears. Because that's what we say. Let's be all ears. You missed it. You missed it. No, let's not be all ears. Let's find out, oh, I'm not very good at that. That helps me. Find out what I am good at. So, it's, these two are so more spaghetti than waffle iron. Intermixed versus separated. Third and and this might really help us take a next step. To be content. To be content with who God has made you. Maybe, maybe this isn't a struggle, but I, I think this is a real struggle for lots of folks. It, to look at some roles, some people, and go, uh, if I... If I was gifted that way, if I was good at that, then I'd surf. And kind of look at who you are versus how other people are and go, eh, I don't really have anything to offer because I am not them. And the beauty of chapter 11 and 12 was what? You had people good with their hands, people good with their voices, people good with leading, people good with protecting, people good with fixing. It's just awesome. So don't let discontentment with who you are rob you from experiencing the joy of who God has made you in your serving. Maybe it's it might be as I look across this room right now, it may be that you've never realized actually it's discontentment with who I am that keeps me from serving. It won't be true for all, but learning not only who God has made me and how I can use those gifts, but being content with who he's made me and with what God has given you to do. It's not just who he's made me, but God gives bigger fields to some people than other people. You know what I mean by that? 
The work of God is, is a, likened to, in the scriptures, a field. And all you have to do is look around and you go, some people have bigger fields than others. And you might be at a place where you're going, I'm not really happy with the size field that God has given me, the, the level of influence that God has given me. So I'm out. Your field may be, maybe because of season of life, your field might be pretty small right now. Don't shrink back from it. All of us go through different seasons of life where our capacity to serve changes. We're at a, we're at a sweeter spot, Jackie and I, right now with an, as empty nesters. I, I've, it's taken me a while to realize I actually have more capacity now than I used to. And to utilize that capacity for the purposes of the kingdom of God. A lot of our capacity was consumed with six kids for a lot of our life. Now there's opportunity. When I first came to CFC, I knew the Lord had made me a teacher, but I was teaching 30 hours of Bible a week. And they said, you want to come teach the Bible here on Sunday? And I was like, no, I do not. (laughs) That would feel like the rest of the work but I'll be glad to make the coffee and clean up the coffee. So there might be a season where you're going, "Ah, I can't do exactly what God has made me to do, but I can be content with what I can do given right now what's going on in my life. It's like take a step. See, that's real. It's real life for every person here. And the more of us who take that step, the better off we are in functioning as God intended us to function. So a band's going to come and utilize their gifts to lead us in a closing song. Uh, But before they do, let's take some quiet moments to personally respond to the Lord. So would you bow with me? And let's kind of just process with the Lord what the scriptures have shown us. Let's start with some thanksgiving. Would you thank the Lord for where you live? Whether you like it or not, would you thank the Lord for where you live? Thank the Lord for the opportunities you have around you. Thank the Lord for what he's made you good at. Thank the Lord for your, for your day job, even if you don't like it. Thank you. And thank him for pouring your spirit, his spirit into your heart so that you could be light. If you know something's dimming your light, maybe it's A secret sin. Maybe it's just selfishness, fear, afraid to speak up, afraid to step into an uncomfortable area in life. If there's something dim in your light, confess it right now to the Lord. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So it's not about removing condemnation. It's about realigning yourself by your confession with the good purposes of God in your life. So don't be afraid to confess. And would you ask him now to renew your zeal 
for how he's made you, where he's placed you, what he's given you to do. Lord, I want to ask that you would make us fruitful in every good work. That we would be the people you intended us to be. Not out of duty, obligation, but out of a fresh recognition how you've made us. That everything matters. Thanks for that incredible privilege to be your instruments to the praise of your glory. Let's stand together and let's sing to the Lord our presenting of ourselves to him. that you're here today as we go isn't it good to know that the fullness of God dwells in us to fully give us everything we need to do what he calls us to do and I love how the scripture says that faithful is he who calls you and then he will bring it to pass so as we go let's trust the spirit in us to use us the way he's made us with the ministry that he's given us that we would fulfill it if we can pray for you in any way there's men and women available between the auditoriums love to pray with you individually if that's uh, that we can serve you in that way have a great day God bless you guys